Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and then we do this. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right, yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama drama that's in an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the dark, sweet bourbon biscuit that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the grumbly Viennese world that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Peggy's biscuit tin, folks, is you. Now this week, blah, now this week's Dumpty Dum comes from those Maguire sisters. I, I think that was recorded in New York. Ah, and we've got Bernie later on the show. Yeah, but Lucy. Before we speak to Bernie and all of that malarkey, um, how can somebody send us in a fresh dum-de-dum? Uh, how can somebody <laughs> send us in a fresh dum-de-dum? Because I believe our tin of dum-de-dums is nigh near empty. If you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum, leave us a plot prediction or have a birthing partner who'll slap you on the arse and shout, go on, mid-labour. Call <laughs> us on 0203 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Derek is in a bad mood as he feels a bit jealous of the coverage the last Amazonian tribesman has got, uh, as Derek's been dressed in nothing but a loincloth and waving his weapon around for years. And the BBC... <laughs> That's quite good. I missed that story about the last Amazonian tribesman. They caught him on... Um... On, on on the camera. He's been living by himself for 22 years because they killed the rest of his tribe and he's the only one left. Jesus. Yeah. It's incredibly Things sad. we do in the name of progress and civilization. There was that photo a few years back, I believe it was on the Peruvian border, when this uh, little plane... Their... Yeah, they were... Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the Just... Yamamami, I think. Um, and this is a... This is a I think he's Brazilian. He's, he's in the Amazonian rainforest somewhere, and yeah, he's the last, the last one. So, who killed them? Was it loggers? Uh, yeah, bloody mahogany and loggers and all of that. Oh. We've got a lot to answer for, Lucy. 
We are. Not, we're not mahogany loggers. I can't even say it. Mahogany hoggers. Well, you just did. <laughs> no, I mean, us in terms of, you oh. know, being part of civilization and our rapacious need for resources. We're all yeah. complicit to a smaller, lesser degree. Yes. But you know what, Luce? The archers and dum dum is a little respite from all of that, isn't it? Yes. So we're best here. Well, and on this go, oh, God. Ugh. Right, I'm going to, this, this, oh, fuck. So right. you should be able to cope with the heat. It's me. I'm on the one on a low simmer who can't string it. <laughs> it's not that. It's just ineptitude on my <laughs> part. It's nothing to do with the heat. Right. <laughs> right. On this week's episode, we hear from Bernie, Andrew, Claire, Glynn and KJ. These are kind of all classic old time callers, aren't they? They are. We've got an old mm. school dumpty dum now in it. We have. We have. But you know what, folks? Before all of that, it's our Juicy Loose and our week in Ambridge. As always, the messenger is being shot. Poor Debbie, having cantered back from Hungary at top speed to help out her beleaguered family, is now being roundly abused on all sides for not sorting it out quickly enough or sorting it out in the wrong way. No good turn goes unpunished, Uh Debbie. Adam and Brian are now best friends, mystifyingly. But Brian was doing that irritating thing of of Adam being on the phone and Brian hopping up and down next to him saying, what is it? What is it? What's happened? Tell me, tell me, what are they saying? Which is the single most irritating thing anyone could do to you when you're on the phone. Alistair and Shula went to see Lance the Boyle and it escalated rapidly from everyone doing (laughs) their counselling voice and saying, I appreciate your honesty and thank you for sharing that with me. To, of course I'm not giving you even more money, you massive ass. They were like two prefects (laughs) in trouble vying for the approval of the headmaster. She's been mean to me for ages. He lost all his money betting on who could we hire up the wall. Alistair then marched off to see Anisha and said, right, there is a clause in the partnership contract called the Big Poo Clause. And as you are behaving like a big poo, I'm calling it in. So stick that in your syringe. Basically, Alistair transitioned into the Terminator. You're not having my money and neither are you. So shove it. It was like that episode of The Worm Turned on the Two Ronnies. Damara has a new (laughs) slogan to endear itself to the public. The Developing Trust, it's called, nice, appeals to the older generation (laughs) as no one under the age of 70 and not in need of medical aid is able to buy a house in Ambridge. Uh, Fagash Lil, delighted that for once it is Jenny Darling who is making a daft decision and earning the disapproval of the family, is telling everyone about it and patronisingly insisting that they'll all weigh in with cash and prevent Brian and Jenny Darling from having to move into a tent by the fishing lake. Uh-huh. said something to the effect of get lost the woman's 70 and they're loaded i'm not bailing them out i'm getting a padlock <laughs> on my handbag you freeloading bunch of scammers <laughs> nothing weird about an old man shoving a ferret down his trousers and letting it wriggle about and demanding people watch is there no nothing. <laughs> he's got a secret compartment in his trousers apparently of course he has course he has. Joe smeared butter inside his trousers to tempt the ferret up. Then Emma put mints up there to tempt it down. If anyone had any mash, they could have turned Joe's trousers into a massive cottage pie. Ruth has decided <laughs> to throw in the towel as Rory's attorney. Well, now Rory's vocal cords are 16. Maybe they might be allowed to run out on their own. Who knows? Toby has staff. Toby is a manager. He has staff. <laughs> 
who I presume is some sort of rugby person, judging by what Toby was wittering on about making a pass at him with funny shaped balls or something. It's still raining in Ambridge, according to Ed, but it's very hot and dry, according to Pip. The Ambridge weather app must be a nightmare. I tried looking at it on my BBC weather app and it just came up with a picture of unicorns galloping about. So God knows. Uh, Freddie has invited Johnny on his gap yard that isn't going to happen. I have heard on my crystal ball and I foresee Johnny doing the whole trip, getting off with Nolitando while Freddie languishes in Borchester Nick doing drugs or bad and K courses. They had a dummy run with the pipette. <laughs> Toby playing the role of the dummy. He's already attempted to mansplain labour to her. Wedding news. Apparently they're going to play Tiger Feet and Come On Eileen at Fallon's reception. And loads more, said Fallon vaguely. Well, that's good. Two songs alternated, some patched up bunting, Fallon in an Oxfam wedding dress and a honeymoon spent testing harassment on his constable questions. Harassment, listen, <laughs> what colour are the flashing lights on a police car? Ooh, uh, red, no, <laughs> orange. Oh, Fallon, love, don't start with the hard ones. And Jenny Darling. <laughs> tearful and with a bit of a cold by the sound of it unless she's still up to coke habit to cope with the last fortnight for which i wouldn't blame her in the slightest is leafing through the property page of the borchester echo no not this one no i need a downstairs cupboard with a lock no soundproofing needed one master bedroom and one box room for brian because there's no way that arsehole's coming anywhere near me for the foreseeable and a kitchen with no oven just a microwave so i can do underwood's lean cuisine meals for one one, me. No birthday parties for extended families. No venison pasties. <laughs> no endless coffee pot on the go. No white wine fridge for alcoholics. And no bloody shoot lunches. And now I'm going to drink a pint of gin by myself, take my bra off, and watch my pole dark box set. I have finally come to my senses. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, I like that right at the end. The, the vision of Jennifer without a bra. <laughs> and a pulled dark box set. Well done. Um, um, what can year? I tell you my plot prediction because I'm really no, no, because you're well, going to ruin my joke. Oh, Let sorry. me go first. All right. God, God precious little witticisms on this show. Anyways, <laughs> allow me this one. Right. What year did Constable paint the hay wain? I don't know. That's my constable question. There you go. Oh, I see. Hey, that was that was. That was what you stopped me interrupting you for, was it? Absolutely. I know, I know. Not, not good, not good. But hey, there's somebody in our nice Middle English, Middle England um, audience that would appreciate that. Yes. Now, uh, you were going to uh, ride over me. I got all Go. excited uh, because mm. I had a plot prediction this morning. And 1821 is say... the answer, by the way, Lucy. Okay. I want to say it now in case anyone else has said it on the caller in us because we haven't heard them yet. I'm like Darren Brown, you see, when he has to show people before they reveal mm. it, just in case anyone thinks he's just written it. I think Brian and Jenny are going to buy one of the Justin's houses. Really? Yeah. And they'll end up living near Ed and Emma. No, surely yes. not. Yes, because he said the low-cost housing... And then there's the bigger ones, the executive ones. And they were looking at new builds anyway, so it's clearly something that they're not ruling out. Goodness. Yep. Are you joining up the dots? Yep. 
Can I just point out that every single one of my plot predictions so far have been completely wrong? So it's probably not going to happen. But anyway, I just thought, oh, yes. There is a certain symmetry to that, isn't Mm. there? You're so good. I'm, I'm not, just I'm along not, here I'm for not. the ride. I, I, yeah, I just no, bask in your glow. Because every single one is wrong. Everyone, every single one of those <laughs> so far has been completely wrong. So I'm not good at all. And it's, I probably That's just true. now ruled that out from happening by saying that it might. So, mm. But anyway, there we are. Or they could move into Rob's old executive flat, which is over by the bypass, remember? Yep. Well, and even the Rex are moving out, so Blossom Hill will be free. But that's got to be tiny. Well, it fits. Says me, you said they would move into an executive flat, which has got to be tiny also. (laughs) (laughs) Robin, Helen, and and, uh, Henry in, didn't it? Hmm. True that. True that. Right then, so before we go into calls, Freeman. Mm. Um, last week, uh, where do you start? It was a bit of a quiet one, really, wasn't it? Um, was it? We had a bloody ruckus between all the uh, Audrey siblings, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, but we—that's been coming for ages, isn't it? We've seen, we sort of knew that was that was. They've been ruckus so, for ages. So why was it quiet then? No, but there was actually, literally shouting. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I just remember the, the an inordinate amount spent uh, an inordinate amount of time spent on w- whether or not anyone should buy Peggy Viennese wells because no one actually really liked them. <laughs> I thought, are we re- are we really doing this? Is this really what we're you know? Oh. Whenever Peggy has a little conflap, there's always a biscuit involved, isn't there? Yeah. An old nineteenth century biscuit gets it's, drenched. Or it's either up. one of auntie auntie cardboard some gingers or mm. uh you know her flapjacks that she made or there's profiteroles that auntie cardboard when they had when she went off to give all her money to matt crawford she came back and said who's eating my profiteroles there's always there's always a sweet mm. eat involved in true because like we can't even do the whole derivation of like the bourbon biscuits and the bourbons and the niece biscuits because we did all that about three years ago yeah remember yeah. So yeah, so the, we're going to have to stop soon because we've talked about everything there is to talk about in the world. We have, we have, we've gone into everything. We should some minutiae of detail. That yes. Uh, so what we do next then? What other radio soap can we comment on? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? When William was four, he got three. Uh, he came back from nursery one day, and I said, "What did you do?" And he said, "We did science. I really enjoyed it." And I said, "Oh, good." Um, he said, we did an experiment and this happened and that happened. And I said, are you doing it again tomorrow? He said, oh, no, no, we know all of science now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I thought, blimey, that was a shock to Stephen Hawking. Sorry. Good. <laughs> red, red, red group in nursery. They've done all of science. There's nothing left. They've done it all now. <laughs> Good heavens. That's, that's one hell of a school and a teacher you've got down there. <laughs> Right, so um, also, and you said it was a quiet week last week. We had mm. Alistair and Shula, which you did mention in your monologue. Uh, we yeah. had Alistair and Shula just like, you know, uh, knocking 10 bells out of each other, which and I thought was lovely. Yeah, mm. that was lovely. And someone on the Twitters, and I apologise again, I was Zooming through this morning and I can't remember who it was, um, said, the only reason Alistair, I know Alistair is, you know, calling in every debt he's ever had. This isn't a freebie and I'm going to charge you for this and I never charged you labour and da 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 um, And it is always money that messes people up in, in divorces, isn't it? It's sort of, mm. 
you know, that's kind of becomes the the weapon that you can bash the other person with, even if you're actually both reasonable going to emerge reasonably healthy, you can financially healthy. It's still that becomes a sort of a uh, a, a, a scapegoat for all the resentment. Um, yes. I the, I've now lost myself. What the hell was I going to Somebody say? Somebody on oh, Twitter. Right. Yeah, he said it, he was going. Oh, you know, I've given you all this. But the only reason he's in the stables is because of Auntie Cardboard, because of Shula. That's very true. And uh, d- uh, didn't she mortgage something? She had because she was better off than he was because he she had all the life insurance and everything from. Mark, she was. She sort of started him off. She was better off than he was. Now that's a level of detail which I cannot remember. But yes, the stables were definitely Auntie Christine's first off. Yeah. So you know she could charge him back rent, mm. which would bankrupt him. You know you got to. I think you have to really be very careful before you start pulling on a thread like that because things can so easily unravel very, very, very rapidly, and then all of a sudden the actual process itself is costing you a fortune because you've now got to have not just mediators, you've got to have lawyers and, you know, lots of sort of back and forth. And, uh, you mm. know, it's, he should never have, I, I understand. It, I mean, he's well, taking the, it out on Shula, but actually it's, it's Anisha that's causing Anisha. the actual problem by, by just thinking she can just walk away from the partnership. And we witted on last week, didn't we, about, well, how, why is this basically Alistair's fault? Yeah. Uh, that he has to go and find somebody yeah. to replace her. And he kind of said something rather similar this week, didn't he, about looking back at that exclusion clause and yeah. throwing the ball back the bad, into her. Bad behaviour clause. Yeah. Bad yeah, behavior yeah. Or something. Where have you gone? I'm here. Hello. You just looked away. Sorry. You were, you were not talking into your microphone. Okay. God, you sound, you stalking you sounded... me? Can you see me? Well, no, you know <laughs> no I've away. got ears. I've got ears. You went How all you distant. How I looked away by me not saying anything? Because you were still talking and your voice sounded distant. Oh. I moved over to my I've got ears, case. Lucy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I anyway. moved over to my pencil case to find a pen to write down notes about the calls. Oh, right. I'm a writer and I live in a house with children. There are no working pens in this house. What well, your children still find time to fiddle around with pens? Yes, my pens, not theirs, obviously. That one. I find broken. that rather fascinating because I tell you, I saw the handwriting of a ten-year-old the other day. You had to write a letter pretending to be a child evacuee um, in 1939. And they did a bloody good job, actually. They stained the whole paper with, uh, oh, you know, tea with tea. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love doing that. Treasure maps. Le- it looked really good, and I actually picked it up because I, I saw the top of it, and it said it was dated 1939, and it was Land's End, blah blah blah. And I went, "How old? How long has this been in your family?" And he went, "Your nana. It's it's my son's own work." And I went, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I did think, you know, it looked like ballpoint pen, right? But right. good grief, kids can't write anymore, can they? No. That handwriting's shocking. But have you found, have you had to write anything recently? I know. As soon as, soon as you've done one line, your hand gives up and it looks like a spider's written. I know. It's absolutely, it's hard. It's, and yeah. yes. 
But there is no way Mr. Higgs would have allowed me to hand in my homework with that standard of uh, handwriting that I saw. I'm going to call him Little Johnny. Oh, Adam, that was his name. Little Adam did uh, for his homework. Uh, it was it was really bad. I had to say to his dad, I went, handwriting's a bit, bit ropey, isn't it? He went, tell me about it. But like, kids don't need to write anymore. No. But neither do we. Us, us no, grown-ups. No. So I'm surprised that your kids are fiddling around with pens, Luce. Well, they have to write. They have. William's got dysgraphia, so he's allowed to use a laptop. But um, ah. Tilly has uh, Tilly has to write those. And her, her handwriting is incredibly neat, actually. To give her. Um, give her so her well, well, I, I'm confused because Myesha stopped writing definitely early senior school, and it was all things were typed out. Right. And Tilly's doing <clears throat> a GCSEs now, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. No, they have to handwrite. Good God. Was she going to Hogwarts or something? <laughs> <laughs> we Tell you the, the, yes. <laughs> the local secondary moderns in Queen Queen's Park. <laughs> it's all it's all cheap laptops. It's all <laughs> Chromebooks and whatever. On her, on her board with her chalk while the teacher hits her over the head. Yes. Right. Gosh. Well, um, talking about scratching away, that's definitely Jennifer and Brian now, isn't it? Trying to find their pennies. I actually quite liked the Lillian and Peggy kind of like, we'll come to the... Re-. Well, Lillian said she'll come to the rescue. So you'll help too as well, won't you, Mum? Peggy's a bit like, mm, okay. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then kind of Jennifer just like, you know, turning around and saying, nope, basically this is our shit. We will yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know, because I, I think I'd have asked for the handout myself right. mm. uh but no uh pride and all of that and 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 that that was a nice little touch and and i like the intergenerational thing with also with uh, debbie being there but but the position of alice though you know alice is just steaming mad isn't she mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. daddy's girl and all of that yeah um nice to hear from johnny last week yes i thought we hadn't heard from him for a while and but I can't believe that he is Freddie's best friend and doesn't know Freddie's dealing. You know what, Luce? I was going to say exactly that. What a pile of yeah. nonsense. What a pile of nonsense. Because I know Johnny's a little bit clueless, but he's not totally clueless. And also, when, it, when you're teenagers, like Tilly could tell you what her best friend has got in her wallet down to about the last 20p because they pull their money all the time because they never have enough money. So they say, right, should we go Nando's? I've got £6.12p and you've got £4. So we can get this, this, this and this. You know, they know exactly. If Freddie's suddenly waltzing around offering to pay for him to come to flipping shark swimming place and, you know, do this, that and the other, the first thing that Johnny's going to say is, <laughs> where'd you get the money from? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to say, how come you've got all this money? Where's it from? You know, whilst I agree with you, right, look at it from Johnny's point of view. He could probably, uh, Freddie's minted, isn't he? So he probably thinks mum's going to stump him all the cash. Mm. And also, I think boys just don't quite have that same social antenna that girls do at that age. No, because I was furiously trying to remember back to my teenage years and my friends Darren and Dennis. and And we were all broke. But I didn't know how broke they were. Right. You know, we weren't going to, we weren't have, we weren't trying to like uh, sneak into Nando's. Well, no, you know, 
have have a cheeky Nando, so to speak. But we were going to the powerhouse and stuff, and and, and kind of half clubbing together our money and getting one pint between three of us. <laughs> so all all that behaviour did yeah. go on, right? right. But you know, I, I couldn't have told you exactly how much money okay. was in with Darren's wallet. Though I take your overall point that you know Freddie should be more aware of the fact that John is maybe splashing the cash, yeah. you know, type of thing. But yeah. he's you know he's in a stately home, isn't he? So yeah, yeah, you know. Mm, mm. Mm. Should we do mm. the calls before my flipping internet goes down for the hundred and fifty? Yes, time? all right. Let let let's rush through this, and shall we? Okay. Um, and the next thing we do is this. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Let's start with Andrew Horn. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here with some matters arising from last week's podcast rather than anything new. <laughs> oh. um, I would have uh, submitted a dumpty dum, but I can't lay my hands on my recorder at the moment. Uh, no, that's a <laughs> and, um, but Royfield boys do play the recorder. King Lear. Now, that's a very good analogy, and I voted for the Panto this year. Um, we can see Brian gradually descending into madness, um, which is, of course, where the, where the play goes. So I look forward to that being on Lindy's list. Um, now, sticking with the sort of uh, uh, themes that related to literature, I think with David and Josh, I, I think it's more sort of Oedipus. Yeah. Um the father-son struggle to be the alpha male is is always there, um, and Josh is more of a threat for David than uh, uh, than Pip. Pip, who he wants to protect and nurture and look after, as she is one of his pride. Whereas Josh is um, is always a threat. So um, yes, I can understand that, and I think David handled it very well with the whole rent piece. Mm-hmm. But also with Josh, the one thing we've not heard anything of recently is uh, he's decided to take a gap year. So he should be going to university in September. Have we heard anything about this? No. Being conveniently forgotten. And I'm just wondering when, if ever, someone will raise the subject again. Anyway, I uh, hope to speak to you all soon and watch this space. I will be arranging a London Dumpty Dum in the near future. Take care all. Bye. Bye-bye, Andrew. Bye. But didn't Josh basically just say he was doing a gap year because he didn't want to go back full stop in his way of getting his folks off his back? Yeah, that's what I thought. But Yeah, but would they would they just have let him go completely without saying, well, okay, we're going to come back to this later and, mm. you know, see where you are and I whatever? think they can clearly see that the lay of the land vis-a-vis Josh and his career path, can't they? And the fact that he's not going to go back. But you, there should be at least a cursory conversation to say, hey, hey, yeah. Mush, aren't you going back to, to you know, to, to uni? And he's going, well, come on. What are you yeah. still doing it? Also, also, I understand... Um, I know what what um, Andrew means about the Oedipus thing, but what's weird also is that Ruth seems to be as ambivalent about Josh as David is. Nobody seems to be. I, I think um, uh, um, Hootie Jill is quite kind of um, seems to be vaguely interested in him, and he's quite nice to him when she runs into him. But everyone else just seems to not have any time for him at all. And Ruth seems profoundly uninterested and views him as a bit of a you know. It's weird, isn't it? This attitude towards ambition. And I'm not saying he isn't a 
pillock because he is a pillock. No, but it's not an attitude towards ambition because if it was an ambition to be the world's best farmer, they'd be right behind him. It's because of the way mm. he's going about it and it's commercial, isn't it? So it's a certain type of ambition. Yeah, but there is a type of... And I think this is a... Oh, I don't... Uh, yeah, I'm going to get myself into trouble if I say what I'm going to say. But Oh, go on then. There seems to be Lucy, a very British Lucy, you're attitude. you friends. We'll still... <laughs> We'll still love you at the there end. There seems to be a very British attitude, mm. which is kind of a, ooh, he thinks a bit too much of himself. He's a bit cocky. He's a bit, or she's a bit um, too clever by half and all this stuff. You think if someone's doing really well, just bloody congratulate them. Don't try and, you know, gleefully look forward to when it all goes tits up. It's just horrible. I don't like that attitude at all. We The British seem so much more comfortable with a nice failure than, you know, a harm, a harmless failure. And they view success as if somehow someone's got to be crooked, nasty or bent to have, to have um, you know, got that far sort of thing. And it's, I think it's quite depressing. Mm. I think there's large dollops of truth in what you're saying. But, but it's not just quite as simple as that. Yes. No, he is being an, an arsehole because he's, because he's a 17-year-old no, you know, boy, isn't he? And they're really, yeah, really annoying. And, yeah, <laughs> and he has been throwing his weight around and just uh, yeah. supposing a whole load of things, not looking completely yeah. at his, his bottom line in terms of his costs, not thinking of housing the equipment, thinking I'm going to get that free from my folks. They're not helping out really around the farm, then doing it begrudgingly. So he hasn't helped his cause. However, I take no. your wider point, though. I take your wider point that there is something about our culture and let's say commercial success of which we mm. still go, ooh, but that's just a, a little bit tacky, isn't it? You know, that kind of... Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. It's, it's, it's much better if he was bankrupt. Well, well yes. I think it goes all the way back to our class structure and the fact that... Mm. Um, Having inherited wealth was fine, but making money was mm. just, ooh, just a bit mm. grubby, you know. Yeah, you've moved out of your allotted bit. Exactly. You know, we we, we, we oh, kind of don't quite like commercial success in this country. And we oh, think you've, you've done somebody over to, to you know, yeah, yeah, to make exactly. money. God. Ooh, right. Next oh, caller. Oh, Bernie. Hello, um, this is Bernie Mag calling from Madrid. Mm, Co-secretary of Dumpty Siblings along with Sheila underscore Maguire. <laughs> um, first of all, thank you for approving our situation to create Dumpty Siblings. Uh, we're sorry to say we haven't exactly been inundated with applications to join the sector, but it's early <laughs> days yet, so we're not losing hope. This week has been a wonderful week. Uh, in Ambridge from the dramatic point of view. Um, wonderful scripts and fantastic acting. Both Jennifer and Brian, I think, have acquired depth as characters during this week. Their performance of older parents is really realistic and and the vulnerability that they're obviously feeling is brilliantly portrayed, both from the point of view of the script and, and of the acting. Um, Brian trying to help everybody out with little jobs and Jennifer being stalwart about her decision and all that is actually quite moving um, a, a feeling that uh, Brian and Jennifer don't often produce in me I have to say um, plot prediction mm -hmm. I think something will save home farm in the end but I don't know what it is uh, I, this I feel would rather spoil everything but I could be wrong about that 
Alistair and Shula were very good too this week, a great performance as mediation turns into out-and-out war. And the ferret in Joe's trousers was hilarious. But a low point continues to be the performing animals. That's really dreary. Anyway, thanks a lot, Lucy and Royfield, for everything you do. Bye for now and keep up the good work. I agree with every word Bernie has said there, Lucy. <laughs> Utterly yeah. every word. And um, in our kind of like uh, chat about the last week in Ambridge, I was actually going to say that I thought Jennifer's performance was just like was you know, she hit the ball out the park, and yeah. uh, absolutely, she went from that stoical, from that sort of stiff upper lip. No, we've made our bed, we were lying it, we don't need help. To then when Debbie was going looking at the houses, she suddenly had a wobble, mm, didn't she? And yeah. went all the Albion. <laughs> <laughs> And, and but I can kind of do without ferrets up trousers. I really can. Yeah, just... there's a certain you, you can see that Twitter goes completely divided when you get a scene like that. It's like some people absolutely love the pantomime mm. and you know really look forward to it, and for other people it's just absolute anathema. And I think there's a there's a sort of a slapstick. There's the Alan Bennett type audience, which I think you and I are, which is we love the class yes. things and the um, the the nuances and the little hints. And then there's the sort of the more kind of um, English fast type people who, you know, really like that kind of ridiculous slapstick nonsense stuff. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how how Twitter is immediately divided into those people going, oh, for God's sake. And then other people going, oh, this is brilliant. I love this. You know, it's it's just really odd. And it's never the people you expect that like one or the other. I heard Alan Bennett on, was it Front Row or something the other day, which I bumped into uh, mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Goodness, was, isn't he sounding old? It, well, I know, well, but like, it was it, just the shock. Just I haven't heard him speak mm. other than, you know, to give one of his, um, you know, one of his little short stories and whatever. And I was absolutely shocked as, as how, how infirm he sounded. But anyway, moving swiftly. Well, he, he is very ill. He has cancer. Ah, see, I didn't know that. Hat. I don't know. I think it's in remission now. Well, that that's good. Hate cancer. Book off cancer. Anyway, <laughs> uh, shall we have another call? Yes. Hi, Lucy Royfield and the rest of the team. KJ here, also known as Eggstones on Twitter. I'm calling in with two items. First, a question, and that is, why can't the Aldridge's just mortgage the bloody farm to the hilt? If a loan is an option for Alistair, why can't it be for the Aldridge's? And then secondly, my wish is, could Peppa Pig please be mauled by Monty? It would be quite fun if it could happen. Okay, not for the Grundis or Peppa Pig, but for us as <laughs> listeners, that's all over and out. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone saying, I really wish a pig could be mauled by a dog on radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, it wouldn't be a lot of fun for poor old Peppa Pig, would it? But as she's a pretend one, I'm sure it's fine. Um, That's a good point. Why can't they just remortgage? But possibly because they wouldn't get a mortgage because the state of the business is in such a state. Mm. But... uh, but is the it's just the property well, yeah, value alone would be enough? Yeah, it? well, exactly. Now, let's think about this logically. All right, the the house isn't part of the business, is it? 
Um, I thought it was actually. Oh, where did I get that from? I'm sure somebody said it's because because the um, the cottages are a business, the fishing lake is a business. Um, so why the cherry is the trees, house which, a business which, then? Oh, I see. The, just the the actual exactly. brick. Yes. No, I don't know. No, it isn't. No, they could remortgage that. Yeah. I don't know why they don't. Hmm. I don't know. Yes. Good point. Have we discovered a plot hole? Well, we generally find about seven in one episode. <laughs> <of> this, <laughs> anyway, it's nice to hear your voice, KJ. Yes. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's go to Glyn Fuller Love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Glenn here. Hello. Um, greetings to all in Dumpty Dum land, phoning in on uh, Thursday night. Um, first of all, those of you who thought Brexit was complicated, well, just try Alistair's divorce and uh, <laughs> part- simultaneous partnership negotiations. Um, I think you'll decide pretty quickly which one is more complicated. But turning to the other big stories in Ambridge, first of all, um, on, at Home Farm, uh, I think it was last night, um, Adam and Brian were talking and Adam was saying I think we may be be able to see the light of day at last and Brian said well you know every time we think that something worse happens you're spot on Brian you're going to be prosecuted you know by the weekend you're going to be in um, you're going to be in clink in uh, in, in Borchester and uh, and no doubt as someone's pointed out on Twitter quite soon you'll be sharing your open prison with um, Matt Crawford having been as he's been extradited back from Costa Rica or wherever he is. <laughs> um, the other big story is clearly Freddie and the drugs um, which he's peddling down at uh, down at, at Home Farm, as if they haven't got enough to cope with. And tonight, of course, we learnt that Johnny is going to be given money by Tony and Pat so he can join Freddie on, um, on on his travels, which can mean, I think, one or two things. Either, you know, Johnny is going to be let down when Freddie also ends up in, um, in in clink, or they go off together and they both get arrested for drug dealing and, um, you know, they're both sort of some in some kind of um, latter-day um, Midnight Express experience. Well, with that happy thought, <laughs> I will wish everybody... Um, in Dumpty Dumland, a very good week and a very good uh, week of Archers listening. And thank you for the podcast. Thank you for that. Thanks, Glenn. Oh. So basically, the Ecuadorian embassy is finally going to get a shot of Julian Assange and Brian Aldridge is going to move in instead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Johnny to end up in clink because Freddie's an ass. That would make me rather upset, actually. There's a really good tweet about that, one of the tweets of the week, which I will read out later. Oh, good. All right. Uh, shall we rattle through these calls? Because we don't know if this internet's going to hold up, do we? Yeah, All right, then. got Claire now. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Thanks for playing my Dumpty Dum last week. I think you can tell I had barely played a recorder in well over 30 years. <laughs> and uh, I was a bit rusty. But, uh, yeah, I just picked up on a whim and uh, thought, well, a bit Claire. Uh, and now you've heard why not, frankly. Uh... But it was all good fun. Um, I was been doing a bit of uh, guess who's going to live in whose house this week uh, on account of Home Farm coming onto the market and the continuing implosion of Alistair and Shula's divorce, which I felt was horribly oh, realistic, probably. Yes. Um, and I wondered whether you could separate the house from the stables and the vets 
and then Brian and Jenny could go and live in that house and then Shula and Alistair could both go off and buy somewhere a little bit more you know, sensible for themselves, possibly on the new Justin Elliott development, although I hope they don't end up as neighbours there, which would be a bit embarrassing. Be more of a, like a sitcom than a soap, probably. Uh, so uh, in terms of who's going to buy Home Farm, it's looking increasingly like that will be Robin Fairbrother coming back into the show because uh, I've seen the rumours on that. That's That could be fun, especially if Pip ends up with one or other of the Fairbrother children. She could be Queen of the Manor. That will be a long-term thing in the future. Uh, in the meantime, another plot prediction is that uh, Morris, the very, very rarely heard of... Um, meat sausage maker or something uh, I remember was uh, Alistair's sponsor in GA and I think he's doing the fortune telling at the show so cue some kind of fortune telling experience in which Morris gets Alistair back on the road to sanity uh, and off of the gambling anyway keep up the good work speak oh. soon bye Ooh. Bye-bye, Claire. Claire, I'd completely forgotten that Morris had done that. <laughs> you you and me both, love. I'd absolutely... Because that we are going back a few years now with that whole kind of yeah. gambling story. And yeah. Yes. So good grief. Yeah. What, what a memory. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Yes, I hope so, because I don't want... I didn't like it when he was asking who who was tipped to win the... Um, the whatever it was race at Borchester and things like that. I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea of him sliding back into that horrid, horrid, horrid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. All right then. So um, we don't like ferrets up trousers. We're just, just going back to that. Right. Mm. Like ferrets have got claws very obviously. They've got claws and sharp teeth and they stink. Yeah. Right. Now, has Joe got the like the yes. thickest long johns on in history? Why was he going ouch ouch as he, his thing was going up and down his leg? I don't. Well, presumably, I, I don't know. I don't. The whole thing's ridiculous. It's mm. reason why I don't quite like it. Anyway, uh, so we've done the calls. Um. Oh, you know, we haven't really I, talked about. We haven't really talked about Pip and Toby, have we? Pip, Toby, and the Braxton Hicks, and all of that. Well, because it was really boring and it's all going to happen. Let's let's wait until something actually happens. All right, then. Okay, well, I'll tell you what we'll, what we'll wait for. Touch of Millie Bell, which will come the other side of an advertisement break. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Donald Trump's due in the UK today for the first time as US president. Meantime, the US embassy in Britain is currently worried about the safety of Americans during the visit. In fact, it's issued an alert warning people to be cautious as large anti-Trump protests are expected to be held in London. July has been an extraordinary month in Britain and America. You've had the fervour of England's progress in the World Cup, the President of America siding with Vladimir Putin over the FBI, Brexit has taken yet another left turn with the resignations of Johnson and Davis, and whilst Donald Trump had tea with the Queen, 100,000 Brits protested his very presence and flew a blimp over Parliament to mock him. As a special relationship gets less special, the Mid-Atlantic podcast sees the other side. I've been producing this podcast since 2013, with Mid-Atlantics trying to analyse the news from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other, and it's never been more needed than now. My regular co-hosts include Salon senior political reporter Amanda Marcotte, journalist and writer Mick Wright from GQ, New Statesman and The Daily Telegraph, Oxford academic and best-selling author Chris Cotuna and emergency communications expert Doug Levy and Alice Thwaite, the founder and editor-in-chief of The Echo Chamber. In recent episodes, we have covered the threat or the promise of a second referendum on Brexit, the crumbling special relationship between the US and the UK, and how sporting success and failure play into national identity. And we've even looked at the gulf between Russia's politicians and her people. If you want to share my passion for Britain and my wonder of American politics and culture, why don't you go and download the Mid-Atlantic podcast today? Good day, everyone. Well, I can't bring you any kind of roundup on what's happening on the forum because I've just checked and apparently our account has been suspended. I really feel for Royfield. He's trying to run uh, a, just a, a fan-based podcast and instead he keeps getting these headaches. Anyway, I can't give you any kind of roundup because I can't get to it. However, lots happening on Facebook, so that's the good news. Uh, We've discussed many things this week, but the ones I'm going to concentrate on include the fact that both Alice and Lillian thought that it was okay to discuss something Jenny had clearly said, please do not spread this information. And I struggle with this every time it happens on The Archers, and I know it happens to push the story along, but I don't think it's cool. And I think in real life, family members would just say, look, you don't have a free pass to share family news with anyone you feel like, whether it's family or otherwise. And I just felt they were out of order. But I said, look, I'm ranting. What do you think? Uh, Betsy Jones said, same for people getting offended that they weren't told about someone else's private business. Of course, I agree with you, Betsy. So thank you very much for that. Gordon Bavard said we were at least all spared Alice's meltdown about it in the bull. However, this is true, but I learned a lot more about English biscuits than is ever going to be useful to me, Gordon. Uh, Derek Warman said they have every right to tell off if they think their mum and dad are doing wrong and it's evil Kate who needs to shut up. 
not sure that I agree with you at all, but Derek, but it's good to have your opinion, absolutely. Lauren Downey, we really need a break from all of the current storylines. I'm sick of most of the Aldridges, Alice and Kate in particular. Debbie is the only one talking an ounce of sense. The Alistair Shula and Anisha saga is getting old fast and they're all driving me up the wall, especially Anisha. Why is it that most young people in Ambridge are either totally obnoxious or just irritating? And this is coming from a 20-year-old. Here's hoping that people don't think we're all that way. Lauren, I'd like to assure you that I absolutely do not believe that at all. I do work with young people uh, from the age of about 16 up and I think they're actually fantastic which is why I work with them and generally they're not that selfish but of course this is uh this is Ambridge where things are a little different so we're we're just going to go with that we also talked about the comedy of the disappearing ferret uh, juxtaposed against the seriousness of missing staff and a resignation at home farm but we did wonder whether Freddie was responsible for the staff absences. Looks like I am way behind in working that out because absolutely everybody was going, uh, duh, yes. So uh, Glimful of Love, for example, said, definitely dodgy drugs from Freddie. As for fun with ferrets, I will give that a miss. Being pedantic, it's a home farm resignation, I think, unless Susan had quit the dairy on the back of Neil's massive wages, which she seems to have found many ways of dispersing. And um, <laughs> John Kelston Merritt said, the thought of the ferret having not eaten being up Joe's trousers was too much for me. Look, I don't know why, but it just really, the whole thing just really amused me. And then when they had to do the zip, I just nearly lost it. And you have to remember that I'm usually uh, on my way to work when I'm listening to it. So at moments like that, I have to pull over. It's all very silly, but I just thought it was brilliantly dumb. We also have a very long thread on the possible names uh, for Pip's baby so if you'd like to go and have a look at that and there were some really inventive suggestions on there very you are very funny a very inventive lot aren't you and then we just had a quick chat about the possibility of another problem gambling storyline uh, Bid Harrison said I had to listen twice as Jazz's Glaswegian accent gets stronger by the day I'm amazed Alistair actually picked up on what he was saying regarding the racing tip. By the way, I love his accent. I used to live in Glasgow, but nobody ever says, what's he say? Uh, I don't know. I don't find his accent very difficult. And he is, of course, Scottish. So I guess he knows what he's doing. But, um, you know, different ears, hear things differently. Uh, Christina Anna said, yep, without a doubt, although there is definitely potential for someone else to spot the signs and maybe help Alistair in time. And Carrie Jane, I'm going to let her finish because she said, as long as it doesn't lead to Alistair getting back with Shula, I'd like him to be able to sort himself out, self out without the help of the saintly one. Uh, there's still more um, on that thread and we'd love you to join in. Really, we would. Uh, Yoga Bear will be back with you next week and then I have one more week and then I have to go to the Northern Territory for two weeks with 60, 16-year-olds. So I know you'll wish me lots and lots of luck with that because we have to take all their raging hormones with us and keep them under control. So Yoga Bear, me, and then Yoga Bear standing in for a few weeks. So thank you, Yoga Bear. You know I love you. And until I speak to you in a fortnight, hooroo. Thank you for that, Millie Bell. Uh, Luce, uh, why don't you hit us with some tweets? Uh, Glenn Fullerlove, who is appearing twice on this week's Dumpty Dum. Whilst the Albion kitchen might be an attraction, would you really want to sleep in a room where Brian has done God knows what? And Rory will probably be left behind in the cupboard. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Trellis, 
for sale. Delightful country kitchen. Comes with attached six-bedroom house. Massive contamination <laughs> of land and groundwater forces sale. Would suit mature couple with massive family. A high resistance to organophosphates would be an advantage, but not essential. <laughs> Peggy Woolley. Yes, allegedly. Adam could read from the joy of sex and make it sound like he's delivering a death sentence. <laughs> John Reed. Debbie. It is going to happen. The best thing we can do is stop squabbling and pull together behind the house sale, even if you didn't vote for it and think it's a catastrophic idea that will destroy the archers. It's the will of the people. Hashtag Brexit. <laughs> and Julia of all trades. This is for you, Royfield. I like Johnny. Please don't make him put Thai drugs up his bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Lucy, we we have some good news on the Dumbly Dum front. Yeah, it's not often we have good news when it comes to dumdydum.com, but we actually have... Have we got rid of the Viagra peddlers? Yes, yes. We were riddled with malware. And um, we were helped out by um, by Bluehost in wherever the hell they're, they're, they're hosted. Uh, and thank you, Bluehost. By uh, a gentleman called Sage Design in Nigeria. So thank oh. you to all those people that regularly thank donate um, because it meant that I could afford to give Sage Design some cashola to get rid of all the malware. But we were absolutely oh, were, were riddled. And if you now search for Dumpty Dum on Google, it doesn't ping you off to um, a Viagra site and our site description isn't um, erections and blue pills and all of that kind of stuff anymore. Well, no more than normal. No more than normal. (laughs) Exactly. So so if you are a regular contributor to to Dumpty Dum via Patreon. You can buy Viagra in boots now. Why would you need to buy it over the internet? Well, maybe you can't get it over the counter in every country. And how do you know it's in boots? Because uh, I, 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 um, the woman that served me last time was standing in front of a big sign that said Viagra. Hmm. Okay. Because I'd never seen it before and I was interested. And I thought, do men go up and go, hello, I'd like a tube of athlete's foot cream and some of your freshest Viagra, please. <laughs> or do they go, can I have the Viagra? Right, the blue, you know. <laughs> well... Hmm. I wonder, Lucy, how, how it's ordered. But I, I've, I've, I've never had need to order s- such a thing. Good. Awesome. Don't want to know. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So pat yourself on the back if you are a Patreon supporter or uh, a you. PayPal you supporter. Because, yes, we got yes. it all sorted yesterday. I had to get up super early, uh, but it was all done. It's all done and cleared up. So there's no effing excuse not to get your ass back on that website and on the forum and getting it going again, folks. No excuse. Right. So, uh, Lucy, uh, would you like to read the next bit out? Yeah. um, Remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice (laughs) message via SpeakPipe on the website. But anyway. No. Or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. You might just continue. You can find Royfield and Lucy at Dumpty Dum. And I am at Lucy V. Freeman. And my delightful colleague can be found... At Royfield. Super simple. Yeah. And why don't you read out the bit that you never read out? And never even type. It's not here. Yeah. Because you never even type it. 
Because you've already said thank you to everybody that sponsors no, us on Patreon. Facebook. The oh, thing that you hate oh. most all in most of mm. in the whole you world. You can go onto Facebook apparently and have all your data stolen. <laughs> so but you know that's not how Facebook really works though, don't you? No, I don't care how Facebook really it's works. Not. But I'm sure if you're on it, you're probably following us, so thank you. <laughs> or something. Oh, you are so weird, and that's one of the reasons why I love you. All right. It is, it is, because I never quite know what your, you know, what your reaction to anything's going to be. But the, this obsession you have about not liking Facebook is, is something to behold. But anyway, it's anonymized data. So even if they steal your data, it's not you per se they're ever going to steal. But moving swiftly on, uh, that's the end of the show, folks. And I hope you've enjoyed it because it's been torturous for us because like the interwebs really has gone down like three times. Yeah. But it's held up in the end. Hurrah for the interweb. So um, just before you take your kids uh, to, to footy, um, anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we go and disappear for another seven days before we're here again, Lucy? No, it is very hot, everybody. So be careful. And um, in England, that is. And... Um, when we're all moaning about how miserable and cold and wet and damp it is in November, which is actually sounding, frankly, lovely at the moment, um, then we must remember this and think, stop moaning. Mm. So you can, if next time I moan about how cold it is, you can all ring me up and shout. My tan is something to behold, I tell you, Lucy. <laughs> it's utterly bonkers. And my daughter, when I went to Canada, just laughed her head off. Well, when she saw it, she said, Dad, you are just like full of stripes. It's just, just ridiculous. Like the top of my <laughs> shoulder is literally pinky white. And like my the, my forearm is as black as the Ace of Spades. It's just it's <laughs> ridiculous. Do you look like a licorice all I sort? do. That's I absolutely saying, do. I absolutely <laughs> do. He's like pinky coffee colored at the top. And then just jet black on the bottom. But ooh, what, a, what a glorious, glorious, glorious few weeks we've been having. But anyway, <laughs> on that note, folks, I'm going to toddle off and edit this. And so by the time you've heard this, I've already edited it. Goodbye. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 